Carmichael Radio. This is a podcast about Carolina women's basketball. My name is Travis Lund, and I am here with Ms. Terry Stacker. Hey, guys. And Andrew Kurzaya. Hey, guys. Let's do it. Let's talk about some fun stuff, shall we? <laughs> Carolina in Carmichael last night beat the Wolfpack by double digits, 80 to 70. It was uh, about the inverse of everything that we have seen for the past, well, let's call it at least six weeks in terms of trends with this with this team in all the absolute best ways. Um, starting at the top, man, shout out Lexi for just, just a, a ridiculous performance, man. 23 points on 9-16 from the floor, 5-9 from deep. Added in four boards and a dime, just absolutely went out and ripped it and really, really took the lead as far as just getting the bulk points up. Um, and we will get to, there are there are many flowers that need to be distributed, but I, uh, man, Ali Z, more like Ali Quig Z in this one, uh, off the bench, 12 points and a dime. Just started dropping bombs from outside, man. Four of seven behind the arc. Just came out there and just lit things up and really just opened up everything else about the offense. It was it was magnificent. She was on one. And for somebody who has seen inconsistent usage at times and hasn't hasn't been called upon a whole lot um, for her to come out in one of her last games in Carmichael and just absolutely light the joint up and really, really break the game open was just, that was a really special thing, man. Um, that place was so loud and you could tell how much of it was, was just kind of, that was, we were giving that to her specifically last night. It was just great. Um, Liz, another double-double. Uh, 13 points, 11 boards, a dime. Um, the most egregious foul called upon her I may have ever seen. Um, that, was, that was the one that got CB teed up. Um, she was rightfully upset, although I did not think the tech was warranted, but we'll get to that. For sure, um, Maria, man, 12 points, seven boards, a dime, three blocks, and I want to talk a little bit more about those blocks later on as well. Um, and this was an absolutely master game from from DK. I really did, you know, she wasn't, she didn't have it cooking offensively um, from a scoring perspective. And so she just did everything else. Nine points, seven rebounds, eight assists, three steals. And I thought was just an absolute maestro controlling the pace, you know, doing doing all these little point guard things that, that she doesn't get asked to do a whole lot, but was just really understood how to use possessions, was doing little manipulative things, you know, a few dribbles to the left, a few dribbles to the right at the top of the key, just moving defenders a step and a half or two to open things up and and tilt the floor a little bit. It was just really, 
just an outstanding game from her. Um, we're so used to think of her as a as a score first player, um, and often we we need her to be. But she was magnificent last night, just just doing so many other little things to to make the game flow and make the offense really sing. Um, and then Indy off the bench, you know, just. 11 points, four boards, four dimes, three steals. Just really, she has these nights that we don't remark upon enough that are just, you know, she was really efficient. She was 4-7 from the floor, 2-4 of four from three. Just just does all these little, all these little dirty work things that, that you that don't necessarily jump out to you, but God, we'd miss them if they weren't there. And you know, uh, rough rough night from the stripe uh, again. Fifty percent from the free throw line, five of ten. So not a super big sample size there. But yo, we shoot fifty percent from the field and fifty two percent from deep. I'm not you know we're not going to replicate that every game going forward. But if this offense can look something like that, maybe not as crisp and efficient. But just something in that neighborhood, this suddenly becomes a much more interesting team moving forward as we try and close out the season here. Um, Terry, let's let's go to you first. What did you what what did you take from this one? What what did you see that that you wanted to touch on here? Yeah, I mean, great game, a complete game. I think everything that we saw last night is everything that we've been preaching on this this podcast all season long, starting with Maria. We say Maria needs to shoot more. I mean, she only took eight shots, but she had 12 points, and guess what? She didn't have any fouls. That's been a big thing with her staying in the game. No fouls. That was huge. Uh, Utsby, a double-double machine. Deja Kelly, you spoke on her. You know, she only had nine points, but she did other things. That she, Andrew, you'll like this. She rebounded. She had seven rebounds, so... You know, we needed her to get in and we needed her to get in there and rebound. Lexi, we say we needed her to shoot more. 16 shots, 23 points. I mean, awesome. That is what we need from her. Allie Z, my flower girl. You know, (laughs) sometimes when she takes those threes, I'm a little hesitant. Like, that's not what we need. But, hey, she hit them last night. So really proud of her, 12 points. And then India. What have I been preaching? We need her to play 30 plus minutes. What did she play last night? 30 minutes, 11 points. So huge coming off the bench for us. Um, my only thing with her, I will say, I I just want her to slow down a little bit. Um, you know, I feel like she rushes a lot of things, but if she slows down and just let the game come to her, she'll be an amazing player. But overall, a complete game. You know, the third quarter got a little too close, you know, for comfort for me. I thought, you know, I was watching the league kind of slip away and we're used to that happening. But, you know, we was able to hold on to the lead and get the dub. So uh, very proud of the effort. Um, Again, a complete game. Like I said, everything that we saw last night is kind of what we've been preaching all year. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Just fantastic. Um, Andrew, let's... uh... Let's let's get your thoughts on this, and then if you if you would uh, at at some point while you're while you're doing your breakdown, because um, I saw you getting into this um, with the points per possession and just what the and some of the offensive 
uh, wrinkles and changes that, that led to that level of efficiency because it was it's kind of preposterous. Um, so if you could just uh, just enlighten uh, enlighten everybody while you're while you're in the breakdown at, at some point there, but let it let it rip, man. What what was your take on this uh, this affair last night? Yeah, I could go on for hours about this one. Um, yeah, it was really good from start to finish, especially on the offensive end. It was everything I think Terry said like that we have been asking for, and it, it can't be overstated how much of an impact Alexander Zalat. You saw how much Ali Z drew out that defense from the first quarter where like they were still not guarding her essentially and giving her the SB treatment to try and give help on drives. And then slowly possession by possession, you saw them creep out a little bit more and it opened up so much of those driving angles that we've talked about before. So that is, you know, when you have outside shooting like that it makes life easier for everybody uh so her impact is much greater than the four threes that she hit in the 12 points in the box score it you know there were high low passes with two maria three free from the rim and there's nobody else in the paint like we just haven't seen that this year like at any point um you know, it helps, you know, I said last podcast, you know, so I hits one or two, you know, it could be a game changer. If she gets four, if you told me she hit four, I would have thought that we'd be closing down Carmichael for some roof repairs uh, this upcoming week. So uh, shout out to Allie, the bench 23 to five and bench points is massive. Um, everyone contributed. We did not see a lot of Anya in this one. We saw her a little bit early. We saw her. Uh, get a little bit of run and she played fine, but this was going to be a game, you know, that, that was had Zelaya's name kind of written all over it as far as the outside shooting and trying to stretch them out there. Um, yeah. NC state, I'm not going to get super into the technical details of this on this podcast. If you are interested, um, uh, I have a film breakdown. I'm currently working on it right now. Uh, by the time this podcast is out, it should be on my Twitter. Um, but they, NC state is a team. They like to ice ball screens. Uh, and essentially what that means is they're forcing the handler away from the screen and they're keeping the big, which is usually river Baldwin in a drop. Um, so a few ways to beat that. The most optimal way is with a big that can pop and shoot from three because that big is dropped so far down into the paint. Then they have to then recover and close out from a greater distance, essentially. Um, and I took advantage of that. I mean, they they did a they did a bunch of things against that coverage that really gave them some really good looks at the rim. Deja as a handler, seeing that coverage, you don't see it a lot in college basketball, um, but she's seen it enough as a senior to where she kind of knows the ins and outs of how to navigate it because it's not a coverage you see that often. Um, and then yeah, like India gave great energy and effort. It opened up space for Alyssa to go one-on-one -on -one in the middle of the floor. Um, and we saw, you know, so much growth, I think, uh, from Deja in particular. I think she's really best at this point in the year as a ball mover and as a distributor and not always looking to score first necessarily. Um, you know, I pointed out one fast break that she had to where, like, I, you know, I could feel the charge coming. Uh, she had a one-on-one -on -one fast break and pulling that ball out and then working, I think a two-on-one on the backside is just 
not something like it caught me by surprise, honestly, because I've seen that, you know, whether she gets to the line and she shoots free throws or whether she makes or misses that layup or gets an offensive foul call, whatever. Um, it's, it's putting that decision in the referee's hands when you are already in foul trouble. I think she had three at that point. Um, so that's, that's growth on Deja's part. Cause you know, I can't remember the last time I've seen that outside of like a late game situation where you're trying to burn clock or whatever. Um, so I wanted to shout out to her on that. Maria's touch at the rim has come back. Literally all of the good things have happened in this game. Uh, 1.15 points per possession is, I don't know if it's the highest they've scored all year, but it's up there for sure. Um, very rarely do we get above one point per possession. So that's incredible efficiency. And uh, yeah, the other part that we've got to talk about is Lexi finding different ways to get Lexi involved. They have come up with some new actions. They've put Lexi in like some back screen stuff to where if she's the one setting a back screen, they have to decide, are we going to cover Maria at the rim or are we going to cover Lexi when she sprints out towards the perimeter? Caused the confusion a couple times. They lost her in the zone once uh, when they played zone. Um, but yeah, it's uh, not the best game from state on the defensive end, like at all. Uh, definitely, you know, it's it's becoming a theme with them now, if we're being honest. Like ever since they put the beat down on Notre Dame and held them to like whatever it was, like 42 points or whatever. Uh, since then, they've given up 85 to Georgia Tech, and they gave up 80 to North Carolina. So uh, they've got their own issues, um, and Westmore talked about that in their post-game presser. But, yeah, really good game all around from the offense in this one. I, yeah, and I wanted – you were talking about um, what they did to kind of really force Baldwin into some uncomfortable positions as far as, you know, the bigs – and especially bigs that, that play her style of ball don't, you know, no likey, no likey drawn away from rim. But on, yeah. on, on the flip side, Wes had to sit her a lot more than I think he would have liked because Ali Z was, like, on the other end, Ali Z just bodied her up, man. Yeah, and she she could not do jack all down there, and that I thought was just, like that was kind of an, an underrated part of Ali's. You know, this was her like her Sistine Chapel game for sure. But that oh, yeah. th that was one of the one of the greatest parts was you know, and it was I shout out shout out my wife who was the first one who looked at me and went. She can't do anything when Allie's on her down there. She she just can't at all. And did, did, she was she was right, man. She the River Baldwin could do nothing on the block when Allie yeah. had her. And the other thing defensively that I want to shout out because this is this has long been like a, a a pet thing of mine that I I deeply deeply enjoy. Maria did something at least twice, and it might have been all three times last night. I, I can't recall the third one. I remember the first two more clearly because they were they were on our end, the end where our seats are of, of the floor. Blocks are good because they prevent points. Blocks are 
something that I think a lot of fans get excited about when there's the big block, you know, when it gets swatted into the third row. Maria did something twice last night that I think is one of the most underrated skills in all of basketball, particularly for posts, is that she blocked in a controlled manner, which did not just prevent the shot, but it immediately transferred possession. That is such a hard thing to do, to block in a kid. Like she was, she was blocking like she was like a kid tossing a baseball to themselves in the backyard. She was blocking them straight up softly enough that she could just catch them off the block. And that is, that is something that not a lot of people do because they, they want to go for the big swat, but that, that triggers the break it changes the dynamics of the game, and it's 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 something that just w- when you can do it like that, and especially as consistently as she was last night, it's just such a. I was I was giddy giddy watching her do that over and over again down there. It was it was just delightful. Yeah, and that's one of those games where you know we I, I talked about this. I think if it wasn't the last podcast, uh, a couple ones before, like. These are the kind of games against those type of bigs where Zelaya can really thrive. Like, not like the super athletic bigs that are going to put you in ball screens, like Liz Kitley, like probably not a great matchup for Zelaya, right? But bigs like River Baldwin and Aoka Lee, like those type of like rugged, you know, Bill, we're not leaving the paint. Those are the games where Allie can thrive because it's essentially just like, wall up and be big and make them go to a post move. And I, that she's really good at that. Um, you know, and then Maria, like you talked about, you know, she's really good. She, I think the most impressive play I saw from Maria last night, other than just the touch in general was like, she had one where she was completely boxed out on a rebound and just whether she meant to do it or not, but kept it alive and just kind of tipped it to Alyssa. And it just kind of fell in her lap and got two points out of that. So oh, it's just when the she, she like she, she volleyball said it directly into yeah. Liz as she was filling into the right side. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, really, really impressive stuff there. And that's all like, you know, energy. Like that's just wanting the basketball, but knowing being controlled enough not to go over the back and foul. Um, you know, whether she meant to tip it to Alyssa or not, I don't know. But, you know just keeping that ball alive to where I can't get it, but maybe someone else can. Um, And then, yeah, Maria, if there's one thing that she's really good at, it's altering and blocking shots. Um, She's, you know, it's a piece of that rim protection that this program really hasn't had in a significant way in the last couple of years. So um, that's really big. Um, And, and, you know, it allowed them to get out and transition a lot more than, or at least I haven't run the numbers yet, but, at least it felt like a lot more in transition than they have um, in in recent games. So that's that's great as well, especially those live ball blocks and not the ones that go out of bounds. It's like the, uh, you know, I remember Bill Russell talking about that all the time in the 60s on how he never wanted to swat one out of bounds because then you didn't get the didn't get the possession um, when you're able to tip it and then start kickstart a break. That makes a world of difference. Uh, yeah, that's that's funny. You mentioned Russell. I was thinking about that too. 
Um, I, I think I read the same book. Did you get that out of the, what is it, the 57 Rise of a Dynasty book? I think I watched him say it in an interview, but I don't remember where it was from. It was years ago. Okay. But no, I had the exact same thought about that. Um, but man, yeah, what just what a what a fantastic game. And this this kind of, you know, you worried and it, 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 there was something, um, and I, you know, I haven't, we've talked a lot about, you know, we're just not going to get updates on this. And I don't know. Um, Terry, Terry, did you, did you catch anything about it? Like, Renaya was not there. We, we did not see her at all last night. Have you seen anything yeah. about, like? No, and I, you're right. I was looking for her too. Um, and I did not see her on the TV because I, I didn't make it to the game, but I didn't see her. I even like searched her name on um, Twitter to see if anything would come up and nothing came up. So I don't know, but she did. I do follow her on Instagram and she did, you know, post in her Instagram story, um, you know, like the team winning. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And I didn't, I mean, it wasn't a super wide shot, so maybe she was just happened to be off screen or whatever, but I didn't see her in the, like the, the, the post that went up from the team with the, you know, the, the water celebration in the locker room afterwards. I didn't see her in that. So just, just hope she's okay. Um, yep. Listener, I, I, I apologize. Uh, I am, uh, I'm <laughs> playing a road game before a road game here. I'm in an Airbnb in Roanoke, Virginia. Um, we are, we're going to the Virginia Tech game on Sunday. So, the audio is uh, not ideal on my particular end, so I apologize about all the ambient noise leaking through here and the echo. Um, but there's nothing I can do about that right now. But yeah, I just, you know, and again, we hope she's okay. Um, I will say um, P looked like she was moving a lot better. Um, to, you know, but the, the last couple of games, she, she was out there walking around and just kind of, she she didn't she looked like she was a little sprier walking around. So hopefully that that bodes well. Um because we're gonna we're just we're we're gonna need at least one of them back at some point. It's gonna it's gonna be a tough ask for them to to make a serious run in March if the if the rotation is is this limited. Um but we'll we'll have to get there when we get there. Um, moving on, I, I feel like we don't need to do, we don't need to go over a lot about Virginia Tech. Um, since the last time we played them, they have won every game since. Um, including beating up on State and Louisville by double-digit margins. Um, no significant injuries or changes to their rotation. Uh, they're still really, really good. And from what we've seen in Castle, um, you know, I'm, it's going to be a pretty raucous road environment on Sunday. So that's uh, it, I, not a whole lot uh, has changed for the Hokies uh, since last time we played them. But we we are a different team. Um in both uh, good ways with some of the growth that we've seen, especially the last two games, um, and bad. Um, 
just due to the, you know, Renaya's injury obviously limits and changes the rotation a little bit here. Um, Andrew, I'll go to you first. Do you, just tactically with the, the, with the, the new lineup and rotation as it stands right now, um, but also taking into account some of the the differences in in play and some of the people that have that have stepped up or or who's uh, who have recalibrated, you know how they how they play to to do more, do different things. Um, what you know, and obviously the first one was a pretty pretty close pretty close game. They played them pretty tough, but what. You know, with with some of the the limitations that we're dealing with here, um, what what do you see tactically? Are there any significant changes that you can foresee, or, or things that you'd like to see utilized on Sunday? Um. Well, with Virginia Tech, at least on the offensive end, you know what you're getting, right? You're getting a heavy, heavy dose of ball screens. Uh, maybe more than anyone in the country. It feels like they run a ton of them. Uh, and why not? Georgia Amor is up there with Caitlin Clark for as good as you can be at facilitating a ball screen. Um, yeah. And then the outside shooting, they have a lot of it, you know, and then not to mention they have an ACC player of the year candidate for a third straight year in Liz Kitley, who, you know, after watching what she did to Duke last week uh, is terrifying. Um, so as far as tactics and schemes, you're really going to have to, hone in on your ball screen coverages, obviously. Um, but there's only so many ways that you can defend them because they're so versatile. Um, I don't know because of that, how much we'll see of Zelaya. Um, maybe it's just going to be one of those games where we're going to take our lumps on that end and, you know, live with the maybe lack of rebounding and the, them putting Zelaya in uncomfortable situations if it means that it opens up our offense more than not having her out there. I don't know. Um, I remember the first time we played them, CB went to a lot of zone, uh, especially in that second half, um, and it was pretty effective from what I remember. Um, just didn't stick with it long enough for for most people's taste. Um, so I think you'll see. I think you'll see some zone especially to try and they Virginia tech ran a lot of uh, CB calls it single side action. What that essentially means is it's Kitley and Amor on one side of the floor, running a ball screen. Everyone else is cleared out to the other side um, against man to man in the first half of that game. They torched Carolina um, just because they, they had to pull someone all the way over from the weak side to try and get say, Kitley on the roll. Um, you know, in the second half, they went to a lot more zone. And just because of the way zone is structured, uh, it, it kind of takes a little bit of that away um, and makes them stand up a little bit more. So I think there's a good chance that you'll see probably more zone in this game than you saw in the first in the first one, especially to start out just to see um, just to see how they'll handle that. And also, it, it's a good way to, you can stick Zelaya anywhere in that zone, so she's not necessarily getting picked on all the time, uh, which is good. It's a good way to hide a defender like that if, if you think that they might get picked on a ball screen. So um, that's what I'm looking for. You know, obviously, you know, with, with, it'll be interesting to see how Virginia Tech defends 
um, with Celia out there, depending on how much she plays. Are they going to extend out? Are they thinking maybe NC State was kind of a fluke game and they kind of ignore her a little bit? So it it, it just kind of depends on the first, I think, I think the first quarter, quarter and a half are going to be really important on how that game is going to go. Um, but yeah, Castle is a, is a really tough place to come out of with a win. Um, I've heard nothing but great things about the place. So, um, yeah, it should be a good one on Sunday. Uh, yeah, I, it, uh, Terry, let's, I want to get your thoughts because it like, as you said, this last game was like everything that you have been asking for, um, repeatedly on this podcast all season they did you know santa came and dumped it all down the chimney <laughs> on on thursday night so um if the you know if we're gonna add some things to 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 terry's wish list of of perfect games on uh on sunday what 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 do we need what's what, what's the one thing that we're we're missing that that is gonna need to to come into play that takes us from an overtime loss last time out to a uh, to a victory here. Um, I would say Kelly, Deja Kelly, um, give us everything that you gave us in the state game, but in order for us to beat Virginia Tech, I do think she has to score more than nine points. So I, I don't think we beat Virginia Tech with her only scoring nine. So we definitely need her to score a little bit more, in my opinion. I would also like to see Navarre start over Poole. She started the third quarter instead of Poole. Uh, Poole only played four minutes against State. So I would like to see Navarre start and then have Poole like, come in and like spare um, either, you know, Navarre or Utsi or Gatding. Um, so they can get a break. So kind of use her as a player that comes in. So, you know, the, our players who are playing the bulk of, bulk of the minutes can get a break. Um, but other than that, and please give us more of what you guys gave us against NC State. We want more. We want more. We want more. So, yeah, uh, it should be exciting. It's going to be a tough environment. I'm pretty sure it's a sold-out crowd. Um, so we got to come ready to play. And you know what? We didn't talk about this, but shout out to the coaches. You know, Andrew kind of touched on it, um, you know, with the sets that we were running. Where has those sets been, like, all season long? Like, more, more of that. So shout out to the coaches for making adjustments. I know we can be kind of tough on them sometimes, but, like, I feel like they did make the adjustment um, for the NC State game. So hopefully they keep keep that up as well as we move throughout the rest of the season. I know Anthony's not here, but I wish he was because I I don't know if anyone noticed, but at the end of the first half, they let Sydney Barker come out and dribble the ball a little bit. And I don't, I don't recall who was on the floor, but I think she ran point guard. So Deja might've gotten a little bit of rest for a couple minutes. And that's exactly yeah. what Anthony was asking for. So we're all getting what we want. And that's, that's, that's great news, right? Well, I think that was more so out of necessity because Deja picked up her third foul. Yes. So she, yeah, she had to go to the bench, you know. So, um, but yeah, I mean, she did good. She didn't have any turnovers and she only played the box score says one minute, but I mean, she came in and she did her job. So 
I mean, that's all we can really ask, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, anything to get particularly Deja and Liss and Lex some breathers because they, you know, e even with an effort to, to let them sit down a little bit, you know, DK put up 38 minutes, Lex had 38, and Liss had 34. Like, they're still running an awful lot of... of the odometers are getting pretty steep for what they've had to what they've had to do night in, night out this season here. Um, and uh, the, a lot of people uh, pointed this out on uh, on Twitter. Uh, but um, since we got hipster CP, since she started sporting those glasses, um, they are undefeated. The only analytic that matters is, is your coach wearing glasses or not? I, Andrew, I'm not, I'm not familiar with that stat on, uh, on any of the advanced analytics sites. Where, where do I find that? Is that, is that G, is that like GPG? Is that glasses per game? Is that um, specs, specs per coach? Um, yeah, it, it might be, it, it might be any of those, but. You know, three and zero with the, with the specs is, uh, you know, that that's the only thing that that's the only number that we need to be looking at on this podcast. Not points per possession, not rebounding margin, not the field goal percentage, not the three point percentage. Did your coach wear glasses in the last game? And now that we've said that on this podcast, I now realize she's probably going to wear them against the Virginia Tech, and we're going to get blown out. So, um. We are sorry about that. Um, you heard it here first. Guys. Yes. <laughs> I'm worried. I'm more intrigued. But hang on. I'm more intrigued by the analytical possibilities here. This is this is untapped ground that I feel like we should be we should be getting in on. I mean, we we can start a whole new um, we can start a whole new thing where box plus minus is actually the visual acuity. You know, like twenty over twenty over thirty minus two, like whatever the prescription is, that adds you know eight points per game in the aggregate. I'll have to, yeah, I'll message Dean Oliver and I'll see if he's got any advanced analytics on on glasses per game. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of, I do want to touch on this real quickly. I think we may have accidentally used our curse for good at least as it relates to the indiana hoosiers who yo beat the brakes <laughs> off of iowa the other night um so you know we were kind of talking about you know indiana's kind of looking eh, and a uh, huge win for them over iowa so we used our curse for good um so i thought that was good um so yeah shout out to Terry Morin and Mackenzie Holmes, and they did a great job on Caitlin Clark all night. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, Lister, as we said last time around, um, we are available for for monetary reimbursement, and we will gladly praise your biggest rival on this podcast and subsequently send them into a tailspin. Um, it's to speak, speaking of infallible statistical trends on the on the level of glasses wearing coaches. Um, I mean, I I see no flaw in the logic here. 
No. I mean, I haven't found anything yet. I mean, certainly Carolina's opponents haven't either. So, yeah, keep rolling with it. <laughs> Speaking of other results, um, I Louisville kicked the kicked the BGs out of Georgia Tech. Um, Ohio State destroyed Penn State. South Carolina absolutely destroyed Alabama. Um, Notre Dame palindromed Clemson, forty-seven seventy-four. Jesus. Um, that was insane. Um, maybe the most shocking, uh, result of the night, uh, even, I mean, okay, I, I suppose probably Indiana just, just obliterating Iowa would be your, your clear pick there. But if there's a, if there's another contender, man, Duke 58, Q's 45 on Q's home floor. I didn't. I didn't get a chance to go back and and catch a lick of this more than what I caught on highlights. But good God. Yeah, I haven't seen that game yet, but uh, I'll say it right now. Like I think, come conference tournament time, outside of like the favorites, like a dark horse to win that tournament is definitely Duke. I, I think they're peaking at the right time. They're playing really good basketball right now. Ah, uh, okay. This will. <laughs> I, I can't tell whether you're in earnest or, or subversive. No, I actually to... am in earnest. And that's the thing is that like, I can say those things and actually mean them. And now they're, they'll go up in flames and I didn't mean to, but like, I kind of did. So I'm sorry to Kara, I guess. First round exit. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. I'm saying, that's, that's what's going to happen because he said he could see them winning the tournament. So now I'm saying, because he's okay. got that first round exit. Terry off the top rope throwing flames. Good you know, I've been wrong before, and you know, especially with with the mic recording, uh, it's certainly possible, if not if not probable at this point. So, but point being, they are playing really good basketball right now, and uh, you know, maybe it'll maybe this praise will at least do some them good for for our game coming up with them i yeah we we can only hope there have been some very interesting senior games um both in carmichael and cameron i mean they they always are but over the past decade or so particularly it's been there have been some some very weird results in some of those um oh what one more oddity that speaking of just like the, the the who one doesn't surprise you, the how does. Uh UCLA 82, Utah 52. What 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 has happened to the Utes over the past three weeks? They I mean they wily coyote off a cliff. Like this, I don't know what's wrong with that, but so, something has gone horribly awry. Let me look them up because I haven't actually been following what's been going on with them other than the Oregon State game that we talked about. Uh... Yeah, I mean, UCLA got Lauren Betts back, so that definitely helped them get back on track. And then, of course, you know, earlier this season, Utah lost one of their leading scores for the season. So that probably didn't help. But yeah, kind of a shocker. I thought it was going to be a little bit closer, but UCLA got off to a fast start in that one. 
Yeah, and they beat UCLA earlier in the season. That was a really good. Game. That was a really good game. Yeah, and then they beat Oregon twice. I, I don't. Uh, that uh, that uh, unfortunately for Kelly Graves, that doesn't yeah. that doesn't qualify as impressive this year. <laughs> no, but I that was more so like I don't know what the heck is going on with Oregon. Um, and they beat Colorado by one. Um, that's a quality win. Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened in this UCLA game. I might have to take a look at that. Um, I don't have any comments on it, but I mean, fifty-two points probably didn't shoot the ball very good, but. Yeah, big win for uh, big big win for UCLA. Yeah, it's gonna. Um, I God God bless the Pac-12. If they're gonna if they're gonna go out, man, they're they're doing they they're emptying the fireworks cache and and just giving us all the pyrotechnics. Every every weird result. Every just like oh my god look how insane this team is right now for one reason or the other. Like it just there. I'm, I, I am going to miss this conference. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe this will, maybe we'll do a whole off season thing about realignment and expansion and all this. Um, they talked about this, both coaches did a, a couple, a little bit at the, at the post game pressers last night. Um, about the fact that this is going to be, at least for the foreseeable future, it'll be Carolina and State once, you know, only once per season um, moving forward, at least for at least for the nuts while they um, sort of adopt SMU and Stanford and Cal and try and get all that sorted out, which I don't know. How, how do you all feel about that? Um, t- Terry, I did... And, and, Andrew, I don't mean to, to to suggest anything other than you, you have not been invested in this um, at as long as as we have. So there's not as much emotional uh, baggage that maybe may, you, you don't have as much burden on your heart that you need to lay down before the Lord here. <laughs> Terry, how are you, how are you feeling about losing something like like state state twice a season? Yeah, I don't like it uh, simply because say state beat us, then we don't get an opportunity to revenge that loss. Um, so I don't like it. However, I would be okay with losing state. I just would not like to lose Duke. Um, I think that's a rivalry that should stay um, home and home or a series rather that should stay home and home. Um, state, yeah. I would hate it, but also at the same time, be like, oh, it's okay, just as long as it's not Duke. Um, so, yeah, it kind of sucks, I think, um, to lose that. But that's the new landscape that we're in. Yeah, I just, I don't, I, I, I don't like it because I like the, I, I like us playing Duke and State twice a year. I feel like that's a that you know it 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 it, it brings balance to the force. Um, I so I'm I'm not gonna be happy about it. Um, and I don't know. I and Duke fans can get mad at me if they if they want to about this. That that's fine. Um, 
I would, I, I guess, uh, I guess I'm of two minds here. It's easier with women's games. It's easier to win in Cameron. You know, so I guess from a from a from a purely cold cold analytical perspective, it's it's better for Carolina if that's the game that they have to go to every year. Is you know eight miles across town rather than down to Raleigh. But Reynolds, it's it, it stinks that that's an environment that will be absent from the schedule every season. Because um, that place, I and I I. I I know there's the, the whole small gym stuff and say fans are mad about it and blah, 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 blah. It's a, it's a great place to watch a basketball game. And I, that, so I get, you know, it's, it's easier for Carolina. It's probably better for Carolina if it's Cameron that they have to go to every season and not Reynolds. But that's a, you know, it's from an, from an atmosphere, from a like game vibes perspective, it, it I don't, I don't like losing it, but Terry, like you, you know, like you said, I don't know, you know, we, unfortunately, no one put us in charge of anything. Um, so we'll just that it is what it is. But um, Andrew, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to your thoughts about this. As someone who is sort of, sort of newly attenuated to the the bio rhythms of the of the ACC, I did. I, I'm actually I'm really curious to get your perspective on what what you feel is being gained or lost or 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 is it just kind of is it just kind of a like well I don't know it's different like is it is it a shrug thing for you like what's your what's your beat on this whole thing? Well, Carolina's in a, in a unique place just because there's two schools that they have fierce rivalries with and they're both really not that far from each other right so that's not the case for most of college basketball um you know if i if i think back to like um indiana and purdue and kind of that rivalry growing up you know i don't know if there's another team within anywhere near proximity to either of those schools that would be you know worth a, a second game so it, it's just kind of one of those things that is kind of unique to these three teams in the triangle um and it's kind of unfortunate that that game isn't a home and home um but that's just logistically how i guess it has to work with the realignment i'm not up to speed on all the details of the realignment um but you know change is hard for everyone everyone is resistant to change um when it's first brought up and it's first implemented, but you know, who knows, maybe uh, the two teams, I think Cal and I forget who the other one is. Um, it's Cal Stanford and SMU. Uh, yes. You know, Stanford is a great get for this conference, especially, and you know, Cal has had some interesting seasons in the past. I don't know anything about SMU, <laughs> um, but you know, who knows the, those schools could, easily thrive in this conference and develop maybe not the same fierce intense rivalry but it will add a shot of flavor i think at least early on to the schedule uh, more than some people are expecting it to but i i also do get the the sentimental vibes because i've never been to reynolds but everyone i've ever talked to about it has told me it's like easily top 
three in the conference, uh, if not number one for a place to go watch a basketball game. Um, you know, so that that's going to be missed, but conference tournaments are still a thing. You know, that might not be on the home floor, but uh, it, it's not like it's impossible that we would see state twice a year. So that's, if you're looking for like that revenge arc for a loss earlier in the season, that's still on the table. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm not super, I don't have like 10 to 15 years of investment in it. Um, but I also understand like, it's not a joke to people around around the triangle either. Um, and so I, I can see why a lot of people would miss it. Can I, um, not to, I, I just, I'm very curious about this because you are, you are from, argue, you know, I, I would say it's between North Carolina and Indiana, probably the two most basketball obsessed states in the country. Um, the, just that you were talking about, you know, Indiana, Purdue, and they don't really have a third. Hypothetically, had Notre Dame hits their little quasi-conference affiliation to the Big Ten rather than the ACC, and we're playing Indiana and Purdue on a yearly basis, do you think that would comprise a similar triad to what we have here? Maybe. Uh, but I would say still probably not. Just based off like you have to understand like the triangle is so small in the grand scheme of things like Purdue and IU I think are at least maybe at least an hour drive from each other and then if you go up to Notre Dame from IU that's three plus hours so I, I don't think that you would get you would get definitely some travel from fans but I not nearly on on the same scale um and you know, I, I, I've been to all three gyms. I've been to Mackey. I've been to, uh, uh, what do they call it? Memorial, whatever, whatever the place IU plays at. And, uh, I've been to Purcell now for the women's game. So all three gyms are really loud. I think Mackey is probably the best out of all of them. Um, but I, I don't even think that those schools, they don't have the same history, the same pedigree, you know, outside of like IU men's basketball and Purdue has a pretty good track record there as well. But I, I just, I don't think it has the same history, the same influence over the game that the triangle does with, with those three schools, as well as like the same brand and name recognition, you know, with Carolina and Duke and state, you know, those are household names globally, you know, and not to, not to undersell Notre Dame or Purdue or IU, but I just don't think they're quite on that level. Uh, so, you know, they're they're similar in some ways, and I think you would still get maybe a a hint of that uh, in some ways, but I don't think it would it would be the same as as basketball in the triangle, if that makes sense. I uh, well, okay. Look, you're you're the you're the native son, and you <laughs> you 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 espoused the. Uh, the more grand relevance to the Carolina schools uh, than your home state. Uh, that was not us. That was Andrew. Uh, so anybody listening who happens to be uh, in the Indiana area uh, who takes umbrage with those comments, Andrew's address is... Why you gotta do me like that, man? 
That's why I bleeped it, brother. <laughs> um, yeah, Indiana has a lot of really good things going for it for basketball. It's always been a a bedrock for for growing the game, but that's most of it is done, I think, on the high school level. And that's why I was so blessed to be able to be a part of a couple high school programs in Indiana. Um, I made a documentary uh, kind of circled around that, around one of the teams that I was a part of. Um, if people want to see that, I guess that's on YouTube. Um, but yeah, it, it, it hey, really if is. You're, it, a word of advice, if you're going to promote yourself, you should tell people what the name of the documentary is so that they can uh, search for it. The name of the of the documentary is, you know, I made it during COVID. Uh, it, it's uh, it's called Family. It's from the Munster High School girls basketball team. Uh, it's really good. It's like an hour and fifteen minutes long, and it took a year of my life uh, to shoot and record and and do all that. So it's really good if you like high school girls basketball, and then kind of tying into, you know, just just what exactly. Indiana basketball is about and how special and important it is. That might be a good watch for you. Um, but yeah, I, I can tell you firsthand, like going to a high school game and even some college games in, in Indiana, they really do pack the place. Like there's high school games. Like I, there's one in Newcastle, Indiana, they pack it every time. Uh, it's like standing room only. It's, it's tough to get tickets and it's partially just because they're there's you know not not to roast indiana a little bit but there's not a lot to do on a friday night in in the middle of the corn so that's kind of what draws the community in and uh gets them to flock to games and we've had some really special players come out of indiana like uh, i'll just speak to the women's side um dana evans is from my area of indiana i uh, went against Dana Evans her senior year of high school um, and trying to game plan for her was impossible. Oh, I, okay. As a, as a coach, no, I, I was no, like, did you I, sit, did, wait, hang on. Did you, how did that work? <laughs> no, um, no. Our, our staff did uh, play Gary Westside uh, before she got to Louisville and it was, it was, it was impossible. Like it just, with with high school kids and she can shoot it from half court um trying to think uh one of the jackson twins uh she plays for kansas now she's really uh i think she's in the running for big 12 defensive player of the year this year uh she's from east chicago there's a bunch of really good athletes from this area uh that have played uh, and that's just that's just up in my region, like down in the Indianapolis areas, like the the boys town especially gets really good. There's you know, I could go on forever and list all the all the names that have come out of high school programs here. Um, yeah, Indiana basketball and North Carolina basketball are are really something to behold. and i'm I'm blessed that I've gotten to experience both. I don't know how many people have, but uh, yeah, great, great places for basketball. Um, yeah, definitely worth it. Right on, man. Um, I don't even think the people on this uh, podcast knew about the documentary, so I will absolutely be looking that up and checking it out. Um, you said that's just on YouTube? 
Yeah, it's on YouTube. I'll I'll link it on my Twitter if any if anyone wants to take a look at it and watch it if they have an hour of their time to kill. Dude, absolutely, that's dope. I'm I'm glad to hear that Dana Evans was torturing you uh, before she went to Louisville and spent some time torturing us. All comes back full circle, doesn't it? <laughs> yup. Um. All right. Well, I I think we can go ahead and get out of here for the evening here um we're recording this early ish on a friday at least by pac 12 standards so we're not touching on any of the friday night uh pac 12 action as we would if we were doing this on a normal saturday record listener so that's why that's not happening um but anyway we are uh still coming down from the high of thursday night in carmichael and hoping that it just keeps rolling right along in Blacksburg on Sunday. Oh, I did not do my my usual uh, thing here when we were talking about the game because we sort of glossed over the preview. That is my bad. Um, that will be Castle Coliseum, Blacksburg, Virginia, uh, 2 p.m. tip. That is on ACC Network if you will not be there in person. My apologies for not including that in the normally prescribed time of the podcast. But we will go ahead and get out of here. Let uh, both ourselves and uh, and you, dear listener, get on about your Friday night. This has been Carmichael Radio. Please do rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you like what you're hearing. Um, y'all hit us with the uh, with the socials here real quick. Uh, Terry, go go on ahead. Give give the folks your uh, your ways to be in touch. Uh, Twitter is going to be underscore rebel, R-E-B-E-L, underscore flower, F-L-E-U-R. All right. Andrew, sir. Yeah. Andrew Kurzea. That's A-N-D-R-E-W-K-U-R-Z-E-J-A. Hit me up and we'll talk some hoops. Right on. And I am at Arena Apothecary on Twitter. Um, I do not have any other socially things because I am a quasi-Luddite, grumpy old man that way. But anyway, we appreciate y'all listening, and uh, we will go ahead and get out of here. This is Travis Lutz signing off for Ms. Terry Stacker. Until next time, go Heels. Yes, ma'am, go Heels. Andrew Kurzel. See you guys next time. Go Heels. Yes, indeed. Go Heels. Y'all be well out there.